All right, welcome back to the Nosebleed Sports Podcast. I am Chris Witt. With me, as always, is Mr. Adam Schmidt. Adam, how are you today? I'm really, really good. Really good. I like to hear really good because our headphones are all screwed up. It's a huge <laughs> echo. But today, we've got our man, the LockedOnBangles.com writer. Profit. Profit. Maybe. I think Profit's correct. <laughs> Andre Edwards, Mr. Andre Edwards. Andre, how are you today, sir? Oh, man. Anytime I'm on with you fellas, I am absolutely fantastic. Uh, we appreciate <laughs> that. We just love having you. Uh, I, I, that is probably one of the highlights of uh, of my Bengals season, that's for sure. <laughs> well, there wasn't too many <laughs> yeah. things to be highlighted. That's not saying much. <laughs> here recently, so I think hey, you're not saying much at all. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> it was a little rough. It was a little rough. But you know what? We made it through. Yes, we did. And you had a new article come out on LockedOnBangles.com. Why, why don't you explain how you are the prophet? Tell us what that's, <laughs> tell, just give us a little taste of what this is about. So the funny thing is, like, I had been thinking about writing this particular article for a couple of weeks and just either didn't have the time or didn't quite have the motivation to, to put uh, fingers to a keyboard. But... Um, after the Pittsburgh game, I kind of felt like, wow, the Bengals really, you know, they won the previous game or two games previous to that. They really showed a lot of heart, you know, this last game. And I could totally see Mike Brown being like, yeah, this is this is what I wanted. I wanted to see them fight for Marvin Lewis. And I wanted to see the team, you know, kind of do that end of season, either win or at least, you know, put forth that effort that shows the team isn't quitting on him and whatever. And I, and all these tidbits have been coming out about, you know, it's really Marvin's decision and he could probably coach as long as he wants, but ultimately it's going to be up to him. And so it kind of, you know, came to me that maybe I should just write Marvin Lewis an open letter. <laughs> and instead of the open letter... It's like, hey man, let's let's talk about some of the great things that happened since you've been here. Because because the last three years, especially for the fans, have been pretty miserable. We tend to forget some of the absolutely amazing things that Marvin Lewis has accomplished. Listen, this guy as a coach, honestly, you're you're like I I feel like he doesn't well, I shouldn't say he doesn't get enough praise because he kept his job longer than he should have. Yeah. But honestly, he turned the Bengals from the worst franchise in the NFL to like the fifteenth franchise yeah. in the NFL. No, but look, and 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 coming from where they were to you know where they are, given the ownership, I think that's a that's a key piece that some folks tend to tend to forget is. It, every time Marvin Lewis signed an extension, he gained just a little bit more power and a little bit more influence than what he had before. And that's a difficult thing to do in Cincinnati with this particular owner. Whereas other teams, you know, make decisions and have their coaches make decisions and, and whatnot in order to win games. I don't know that Mike Brown functions and operates in that same fashion. And, <laughs> He believes that he is smart enough and good enough to win a championship here in Cincinnati the way he wants to get it done. But 
you know, over the course of time, Marvin was able to say, hey, man, we need some more scouts. Hey, man, we need this. Hey, man, we need we need that. And Mike acquiesced enough for Marvin to be able to 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 wrestle some of that uh, that influence and power away from him. And that's a, that's a huge, huge thing. Um, again, when looking at this this uh, particular owner and, you know, that Mike didn't give anybody any any leeway he didn't give any every coach is kind of you know once they've been gone is without saying exactly how terrible they are has kind of said how that's how mike brown is Mm -hmm. but just what you said this scouting department has completely turned around under marvin lewis is that was that all marvin lewis or was it was it mike brown finally realizing or maybe Mike, maybe it was Marvin that turned him into it. But this team's got talent every year for the last. It's been seven years, eight years. Yeah, I mean, with the exception of the uh, of Wahey, Jake Fisher, and Tyler Cruz draft, which was terrible. I think that was. Uh, You're allowed to have one bad one. Yeah, I mean, like 13, 14, 15, somewhere in there. I can't quite remember. Uh, four years ago, because uh, they didn't assign Obwehi to his fifth year option. But with the exception of that draft class. Um, they have done a spectacular job of adding talent in key places to this team. And they've drafted on the best player available philosophy, which for me is the right way to do it. Like don't get so locked at, locked in that you have to reach for a quarterback that you have to reach for, you know, a wide receiver just because you've got two really strong cornerbacks doesn't mean you can't use a third if he's the best player on your board at that time, go ahead and go get him. Mm-hmm. And I think Duke Tobin, Marvin Lewis, and the other folks in that in that boardroom have done a really, really, really good job of putting talent on this team um, to the point that the cupboard is not is not bare for whoever the next coach may be. Yeah, Andre, you did a good job in your letter giving giving Marvin credit for the things that he did with the team and in the community. Um, and then you politely asked him, or you politely <laughs> suggested that it might be time for him to step down at the end there. Um, and that, I'm a nice guy, man. What can I say? I'm a nice guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that was my favorite thing about him losing his job is people actually started being nice about the guy on Twitter and stuff after yeah. everybody was just bashing him to death for the, for the entire season. And now people are, like, actually giving him credit for the good things that he did, and you certainly did that. So um, what is his legacy then from now on? Is he going to be remembered for the guy that last – that stuck around way too long um, and and – you know, ultimately failed because we didn't win any playoff games and he didn't, you know, get anybody to Super Bowl? Or is he going to be the guy that turned this franchise around after being the laughing stock of professional sports for 13 or 14 years? I, I think the further we get away from his tenure, the more positive his legacy will be and become, right? Mm-hmm. Because there will be the fond memories of the Ocho Cinco's and TJ Ochmanzadas and, you know, Rudy Johnson's and, and those dudes. And then, you know, the kind of the next iteration of the Andy Dalton's, AJ Green's, Andrew Whitworth's, Gino Atkins, Carlos Dunlap, those type of folks um, that, you know, when you think about this, the franchise has been around 51 years in 51 years. 
the uh, franchise has made it past the first round of the playoffs a grand total of three times. Yikes. <laughs> three, period. Twice they went to the Super Bowl. Twice they did, yes. Uh, but, you know, you think about that in the in the grand scheme of, wow, he went to five consecutive playoffs in a row. He went to seven in 16 years. We weren't even getting out of the first round at all previous to him coming here anyway. So it's not like, oh, he's some massive failure in the grand scheme of looking at the history of, of the team. And I, you know? I think that was the whole thing with Marvin Lewis from the beginning. Everybody, it wasn't that Marvin Lewis was horrible, and that's the reason we wanted him out. His time had just came to an end. Yes, I, I would totally agree with that. I think, I think you knew what you got with Marvin. I think it had become stale. It had become it, the perception became that it was complacent. It was just the same thing over and over again. And it was just time. I think he's a good coach. I think the defense made gigantic improvements once he took over. Uh, the defensive play calling and scheming and all those things. Um, and I think he still has the passion to coach. I just don't think that being here for a 17th year would have been the right move. So does he get a job this year? Or is this going to be something that takes him time uh, maybe he takes a year or two off before that taste of no playoff wins gets out of everybody's mouth, and then he gets a chance at another job. I could I could see him very easily landing a defensive coordinator position this year. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, well, what about a head coaching job? I mean, this Arizona team. I mean, I hate to I hate to you hate to put somebody in a under a certain hat of you know this is just what they can do. But Marvin Lewis turned this franchise around. Flat that flat out. That's what he did. Arizona needs to be turned around right now. Is that is that a possibility for a head coaching job or? I personally don't believe so. Only because of the stigma of the last three years. You got to think about it the same way that we look at it here. Right. You as the owner and GM, you have to sell your fan base on the next person that's walking in that door. How difficult is it to sell your fan base on? Marvin Lewis, the dude who coached for 16 straight years as the head coach of the Cincinnati Bengals, lost seven straight times in the playoffs, and is on three consecutive losing seasons. I don't think that's going to go over well with any franchise, at, at least any franchise's fan base. I am not saying Marvin Lewis isn't a good head coach. I'm not saying he couldn't succeed in a, in a more uh, supportive environment. I'm saying the stigma around him right now, you could probably much more easily see him as def- as a defensive coordinator than as a head coach this particular year. Yeah. Okay, so, so coming back to the Bengals specifically, do you have an ideal candidate for the guy that takes over or lady that takes over the uh, – as we Chris <laughs> and I talked about last week um, – talked about um, – to, to become the next head coach for the Bengals? Or a I type do. of coach, maybe? I, no, I have, I, I have a person. You got an, um, you have an exact person? Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, and I've been talking about this. Let the prophet speak. <laughs> yeah, no, I've been talking about this for probably six weeks or so, maybe even more now. 
Don't say Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson. Please don't say <laughs> Hugh Jackson. <laughs> I might be banned from this show if I said Hugh you Jackson. You would be. You would be. <laughs> I would Look here, I would ban myself from the show. <laughs> you made your feelings clear at the end of your uh, letter to Marvin, how you felt yeah. about Hugh Jackson possibly. That is correct. P.S. Please take Hugh Jackson with you. <laughs> oh, he will. Don't worry. Yeah. <laughs> They'll both be on ESPN next year for a year. Absolutely. And go somewhere and yeah, you guys, they can be analysts and do whatever the heck they want to do together, just not here in Cincinnati. That's right. All right, so who's your guy? So my guy is uh, current Chiefs offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy. Ah, uh-huh. now he so he's interviewing on Friday. He is for the job. Uh, yes, so Eric Bieniemy. So multiple teams came after him and asked for interviews. He only accepted four. One correct. of them being this job. That is correct. I believe so, he's met with the Dolphin. He was meeting with the Dolphins, Jets, us, and. I know he turned down Arizona. He turned down Arizona, which is perfect yeah. reason for Marvin to go over there. <laughs> yeah, I don't care. I, honestly, I really don't care where Marvin goes. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> no hard, no hard feelings. We love you. No, Goodbye. No, no. And the reason why I say uh, Eric Bieniemy, one, he has a fantastic reputation uh, amongst coaches, players, you know that type of thing. Uh, two. He comes from a clearly a very successful uh, program. I want somebody who is offensive minded. I want somebody who has learned at the feet of one of the best offensive minds in the game, and Andy Reid. Um, from what the things that I've read and been told by a couple of uh, NFL folks that I'm close enough with to get real true opinions on. Uh, or opinions from um, he is highly sought after and uh, looked at favorably across the league as a guy who can run a franchise. He holds players accountable for those who like the whole yelling and screaming and whatever kind of guy, which, you know, Cincinnati fans for whatever reason really like that kind of fiery, it may not be that we like it. It's the fact that we had the complete and total opposite yes. of it for yes. this long. Correct. Correct. But he is that dude. So he yells and screams, but, you know, also pats you on the back when you do what you're supposed to do uh, and when you do it right. So give me give me Eric Bieniemy, and I think that you reinvigorate the franchise I think you. There are a lot of fans right now who are on the fence and super skeptical about what this next move is going to be. And I think if you hire Hugh Jackson or you hire uh, a man from Denver or you know Vance Joseph or any of those, if you hire an internal candidate or somebody who's closely associated with Marvin Lewis, you might as well have just re-signed Marvin Lewis. I, I completely agree with that. I think and the problem the problem is is Mike Brown locks himself away in in a a, a sound soundproof home where he has no idea what fans want, I feel like. And that's what scares me is that we might get Hugh Jackson back. So I don't know. I, I look at it like this. The the last time we were in this particular situation where there was complete and total fan apathy um folks just 
angry, thinking that, yes, you know, they just fired Dick LeBeau. They're probably just going to get another internal candidate. It'll probably be whoever the offensive or defensive coordinator was at that time. Yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. He came up with the hottest name in he did. free agent coaching availability. Yeah. Like, Marvin Lewis in 2003 was the hottest name in football from a coaching perspective best defense in the nfl and and so that he was in charge of in in baltimore and then he comes over here all right so then i mean it's not it's not like the very last time we did this he didn't go outside the organization and go get that top of the line coach right well that's that's promising makes you makes you hope at least as a fan so Back to Eric Bieniemy for just a second. Then I got another question for you, and I'm gonna I'm hogging all the time from Adam. I apologize. So Bieniemy, so Eric Bieniemy, offensive coordinator for the Chiefs. Uh, Obviously, the Chiefs unbelievably offensive. Even after they lose Kareem Hunt, it it really I mean it hasn't affected them too much. So my question to you is: with Andy Reid being the offensive mind he is, how much of that really is Eric Bieniemy over there, and how much of it is Andy Reid? Well, I mean, where did uh, where did Matt Nagy come from? Nah. Right before he took over Chicago. Yeah. So even if you're not making 100 percent of the of the play calling, at least you're learning under the best there is. Absolutely. Yeah. Where did Where did Sean McVay come from? Yeah. There right. You go. Yeah. Yeah. Nice so, coaching tree. I mean, you know, and it's not like it's better than the Belichick coach, coaching tree. Right. Well, the Belichick <laughs> coaching tree just comes back to Belichick. So. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's just a stump. They don't really branch out. <laughs> There's no tree. Home. It's a plant. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I you, you look at the last two offensive quote unquote offensive coordinators that he's had. Those dudes have gone on to revitalize offenses in a way that was completely and totally unexpected. I mean, you you looked at Jeff Fisher. I thought Jared Goff was a bust, right? Right. Everybody mm-hmm. did. Mm-hmm. Everybody did. And then you you have McVay come in and install some of the same principles and use of weapons the way that Andy Reid uses them in Kansas City. It's like, holy crap. This dude's amazing. You look at Mitch Trubisky. Everybody was like, dude, why in the hell did you draft Mitch Trubisky where you drafted him? That's going to be a complete and total waste of a quarterback draft. Or is it not? Because dude played really well this year. So I think people are starting to see that, hey, man, you can get a young, offensive-minded coach who comes from a good system, knows what he's talking about, knows what he's doing, you can make some moves. And this and this roster is talented. Say what you want about Andy Dalton, but you got A.J. Green. You got Joe Mixon. You got Giovanni Bernard. You got Tyler Boyd. You got a John Ross who hasn't been unlocked to this point. You have the potential for either a high-round draft pick as a tight end or a re-signing of Tyler Eifert. I mean, there are, there are pieces on this offense that remind you of Kansas City that remind you of the things that they do in in Chicago or that they do in LA. Like it's not that far off that you could see using the pieces in the correct manner this offense being a whole heck of a lot more explosive next year than what it was this year. So that goes to my next question that I was going to ask you is it so you're saying that you don't see there being a lot of personnel changes on the team then. Like I like in you know mostly 
coming through to through Dalton. You think this team is pretty much going to stay intact no matter who they bring in? Well, if I were a head coach, one, if I'm going to be here, I would need to say, hey, how tired are you to Andy Dalton? I am not personally an Andy Dalton fan. I think he's a decent quarterback. I think he's a middle-of-the-road quarterback. I think if everything is perfect and he has all the right pieces in place, Andy Dalton can get you to basically where you want to go, but it has to be damn near absolutely perfect. Sure. Trent Dilfer, Matt Hasselbeck. Exactly. Exactly. It's got to to be the absolute perfect mix of players and injury-free and all those things for it to work. I think if I were a head coach coming in, I either need to be one, really, really comfortable with Andy Dalton, or two, have the ability to say, all right, so this year or next year, can I draft my own dude? I mean, we can use Andy Dalton as a, I mean, kind of look at it as, as Casey with uh, Alex Smith and Mahomes. Sure, we can play Andy Dalton this year. Let me draft my dude, give him a year, and then let's go. Um, but as far as over, like, roster turnover and, and whatnot, um, I think, personally, Vontez Perfect needs to be gone. Thank you. I think he's got one more year on his contract. I think he needs to, he just needs to go. Uh, and, and concussions may end up taking care of that on its own, but I think he needs to go. Um, but as far as turnover is concerned, I don't really see a lot. They were the second youngest team in the entire National Football League this year. So there's really not a ton of, of spots that are, that are going to come open. I think they have, I want to say something like 18 free agents uh, coming up this year, a handful of which are restricted a handful of which, you know, they have first rights to type of thing. So, you know, and then you got dudes like Obwehi, yeah, you can walk. Fisher, yeah, you could probably walk. Um, Vinny Ray, yeah, you can go. I mean, so uh, I don't really see a ton of turnover coming. At least at the skill positions or the minus Fontes perfect. Correct. All right. So, okay, so then what do they need to address most in the draft, do you think? Uh, linebacker and offensive line. Again, I, I don't know that – I'm not sure how many picks they have next year, but let's say it's like nine. I would be like linebacker, offensive lineman, linebacker, offensive lineman, linebacker, linebacker, <laughs> offensive lineman. <Yeah. laughs> Hey, that sounds good to me. You got, you got to take what you you know what you need, and and we just at got least... done saying we just got done saying best player available. Dude, and at... well, it better be a linebacker and offensive linebacker. <laughs> and and if you draft you know four yeah, offensive linebacker. linemen and four linebackers, at least one of those on each side of the ball should work out. Hopefully, those their their linebackers are terrible. <laughs> with the with the possible exception. Of Nick Vigil. I was just going to say, Nick Vi- when Nick Vigil is your bright spot, I don't know that that's yeah. a good thing. Correct. No, that is – I could not agree more. With Again, with the possible exception, I think Nick Vigil is a good third uh, linebacker who is out in space trying to cover tight ends and, and uh, running backs. Okay, cool. He's a short tackler, especially when he's healthy. I got no, I got no beef with Nick Vigil. It's what Vinny Ray was three, four years ago. Yeah. I, well – 
I always thought Vinny Ray was a was a step or two slow. Always, even when he was younger, I always thought he was a step or two slow. He was in the right spots from a scheme perspective. He was just a step or two slow. Yeah. Um, but I honestly think they are they are in desperate need of a difference making linebacker uh, on this team, and I think the right side of this offensive line, Bobby Hart, is not. A, a starting caliber right tackle. Um, my uh, my guy at uh, right guard, um, his name is escaping me at this point. Uh, the one that ended up playing center half the time. Uh, no, no, no. I was thinking uh, Alex Redman. Oh, Redman, okay. Sorry, yeah. Alex Redman is not a starting right guard in the National Football League. He just isn't. And that right side needs some help, whether that be, again, via the draft, via free agency, whatever it is you need to do, that, that's that got to be better. So that's where we need to get a head coach. Is it, when, when does free agency start? When can you start signing or courting free agents? Do you have any idea on that off the top of your head, uh, roundabout? Uh, February, March-ish. Okay. So, so they're talking we'll have a coach in six weeks. That's February. I feel like we're going to have to go a little faster than that. Honestly, because I think you need to you need time for your coaching staff to do exactly what you just said and get in, get in, look at your roster and say, why are these guys on the team? Just like you did get rid of them and find out, OK, here's where we need to start. It's a, that's a that's a process and it's a that's a long process. No, absolutely. Um, so I think I don't think February is target date i think for most teams not all but i think for most teams your target date is the senior bowl because by the senior bowl is when you want to have your coaching staff together so you guys can go down and start evaluating because that's the first real like off-season uh all-star game type of thing and i want to say that's the end of january maybe january 25th 26th somewhere in there um is when the senior bowl week is or when the game is, I should say. And so you want to have the guys who are going to be evaluating talent. You want to have them in place by then. So I, I genuinely believe if the Bengals do it right and the way that they should do it, we'll probably have a coach named here within the next two to three weeks tops. Tops. It has to be top. Yeah. Cause you still need time. He's got to put his coaching staff together, including even if you kept the, everybody on staff, you still have to hire another defensive coordinator too, right? I mean, he's yeah, got a lot of work think, to do once you get. Yeah, I think if you're if you're a head coaching candidate, if you're a smart one, you've already, already got that. Yeah. I've already reached out to my homeboys and been like, "Hey, dog, if I get this if I get this uh, gig with the Bengals, you gonna come be my DC? Yeah, I got you. Okay, cool. Right. Or you know what I mean? So at least the major pieces, or you look at it and say. All right, all of the coaches are under contract in Cincinnati for at least a year. Who do I like? I really like Darren Simmons, or I really like Frank Pollock. I don't like this person, this person, this person. They can go because I have replacements for them. See, and I think, but the problem is, everybody good. likes Hugh Jackson, <laughs> <laughs> except no. any, except everybody in Cincinnati, and Cleveland. Yeah, I don't, I don't know about that, but I would. I would come, if I'm a legit head coaching candidate, I would come in with my plan and with here's my people and here's the folks I've already talked to and here's who I can bring to the organization. 
All right. Well, I'm uh, I'm I'm closing the book on the Bengals for this year. Before we close the book, okay. let's talk about. So okay, we'll close it on this year. Okay. But next year. Yeah. Sure. Is that what, where you were going? Or yeah. Are you, are you closing the book altogether? Are you? Well, I was closing it all together, <laughs> but that's I a good thought. question. <laughs> do, I mean, do you see them competing in the AFC North next year? I think it'll depend on who who the uh, who the head coach is going to be, man. Yeah. I mean, I genuinely believe that with the right hire, this team could take that next step next year. There are like there are a lot of really really good pieces, man. I and mean, we only talked about uh, really looking at the offense from you know start, you figure everybody will be basically healthy when the season starts. So that gives you back Andy, AJ, Tyler Boyd, uh, you know, John Ross is healthy. Uh, Joe Mixon and uh, Giovanni Bernard are your skill position folks that you can absolutely count on. I assume they re-sign at least one of the three tight ends that is going to be a free agent this year. But on the defensive side of the ball, you look at cats like William Jackson, the third Jesse Bates, Sean Williams, uh, Sam Hubbard, uh, Carlos Dunlap, Geno Atkins. I mean, there there are some pieces on this team that, you know, if those dudes just performed the way that they did, at you know, this year, plus you add a few more pieces in the draft, you add uh, a more aggressive philosophy, um, you know, from, from a coaching perspective, I, I don't think it's it's out of the question to say, all right, look at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's a mess Yep. from a drama perspective with Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. And like, this is a mess. And then, you know, I think Cleveland and Baltimore, while they are definitely on the come, especially in Cleveland, I don't know that, you know, I'm all of a sudden being like, yo, those are, you know, 11, 12 win teams. Not necessarily. Well, so, yeah, they haven't proven neither. Well, yeah. Baltimore might be the closest, and and that's with a that's with one of these quote unquote running quarterbacks who seem to never last more than two years in the league anyway. Exactly. So you know you have those you have those question marks on on every team at this point, um, and I don't think it's you know beyond the realm of possibility that the Bengals are either. AFC North uh, champs and or uh, at least a wild card. Right. Sounds good to me. I think they're winning the Super Bowl next year, but you know how <laughs> you know how I am. Yeah, <laughs> Mister Eleven and Five. <laughs> I th- I thought that Eleven and Five was reasonable if everybody would have stayed healthy. They almost beat the Chargers. They they should have beat the Chargers if they don't have penalties and if if they just become one of the top ten penalized teams instead of the most penalized team. <laughs> Then they win. They win a couple more games at the end of that season, and they're fighting for a playoff berth. Yeah, no, Honestly, I mean I don't, with with a I lot of their starters missing. Yeah, I, I can't disagree that they're fighting for a playoff berth. I still think eleven and five was a bit ambitious. Okay, <laughs> it might have been. It might have been. <laughs> All right, so we close the book on the Bengals, right? I'm we done, done with the I'm Bengals. With so the then, Bengals. Andre, real quick. Uh, for for anybody joining us now, this is Andre Edwards, LockedOnBengals.com writer, uh, founding member. Of give us the the band name again because it lost my head for a second. Debonair. Debonair. <laughs> if you can find any songs by Debonair somewhere, uh, I'd appreciate it so we can have some uh, walk up music for you next time you come on. <laughs> <laughs> walk yeah, up I'll music. work on that. 
Right. <laughs> hey, Andre, that that's so that's something that has always interested me. You're a very interesting fella. Um, but one thing is, so you have been the uh, most active person in the music business that I've ever known. So you studied music of some type in college, correct? Let take it back. We'll we'll go real fast through this. Take it back all the way to your childhood. What what inspired you? What can, made you feel con- so connected to music early on? When did you first feel like, man, music is a big deal to me? I want to study it. I want to make it. I want to make it a big part of my life. When did you feel that? What was your inspiration for that? Yeah. So, um, like a lot of kids, uh, you know, I grew up in church and singing in church. Um, my parents both sang a little bit. So, uh, just being in choir and whatnot at church was probably kind of where it started. Um, and then sometime about the fourth grade, I was in just a kind of regular music class and they have kids singing and playing random instruments and whatever. And so, uh, my teacher at the time, was like, hey, I think you got a pretty decent voice. I think you should audition for Cincinnati Boy Choir. And um, I didn't really know much about it, uh, but uh, went in and auditioned and uh, ended up earning a scholarship in order to uh, be able to do that. So I did that for probably uh, two or three years, I think. Uh, travels all over the United States and had a pretty good time doing that and really started to started to enjoy it. Um, and then ended up going to Walnut Hills High School where in, I think, I want to say like eighth grade, uh, tried out for a musical, got a fairly decent part, um, met a couple of uh, music teachers over there who, you know, really took a, took an interest in me and in my abilities and uh, kind of said, hey, man, what are you doing? Why don't you try this? Why don't you do that? And so I started taking some voice lessons. And uh, next thing you know, it was kind of senior year. And it was like, hey, what are you doing next year? And I was like, I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they were like, well, have you considered, you know, singing and, and doing music for uh, for college? And um, honestly, I, I grew up, I won't say poor but i grew up probably lower middle class and uh i'm the first person in my family to uh go to and graduate from you know four-year college um and so it was kind of a foreign concept to my family but it was kind of like no i think this is what i want to do so good for you uh, yeah yeah so i got my bachelor's degree down at morehouse college it's a bachelor's of arts but my major was uh vocal performance and then went from there and went on to ohio university where i earned my master's of music in uh vocal performance and teaching so i used to do uh opera and musical theater and teach private voice lessons and things of that nature um, so not so, only are you the most phenomenal writer at LockedOnBangles.com, but you're also the most phenomenal singer at LockedOnBangles.com. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know, but... Uh, Let's I be honest. Come on. Go ahead, pat yourself on. There ain't nobody got all those credentials. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
let's be honest. One of my one of my qualifications for writing for Lockdown Bengals was that I did the national anthem for the Bengals game. So. <laughs> <laughs> that clearly, that, uh, that that qualifies me qualifies me for being able to write about them. Look it up on YouTube. One of the best renditions of the uh, we'll, we'll put we're going to put the link up in, uh, on on well, on the page, and everybody can watch you in the in debonair. Singing the national anthem at locked, uh, locked up bleh, with Andre Edwards from lockedonbangles.com. Yeah, it's good time. It's good times. So anyway, so okay, yeah. So when, when was the last time you you like like the rest of us are not uh, currently your career is not in what you studied, correct? That's correct. Just, That's just like Chris and I, and so many people I know, I would have had to have an education past high school to be able to say <laughs> that, you, my, you, that my education took me somewhere different from my job for so. a while. <laughs> anyway, um, so what what was the last thing you did in music? Uh, yeesh. Does karaoke count? Oh, 100%. <laughs> no. no, no, no. You win you? every karaoke contest you've ever been in, I guarantee that. <laughs> Because there are some awful, awful karaoke singers out there. See, the thing is, is some people have good performance when they do karaoke, yeah. and they can right. kill it that way. But I, I feel like I've uh, we've known you for a long time. I feel like you got the performance and the voice and an actual voice. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's funny, man. Like karaoke for I am super critical of myself um, when. I sing karaoke and it's always like, Oh my God, that was great. And this, and I'm like, hey, I don't know, man, it was, it was all right. It was this, it was that I can work on this. I can work on that. <laughs> um, I was like, yeah, dude, it's freaking karaoke. Come on, man. You'll be all right. Go so, to karaoke song. Uh, kiss Prince. Nice. nice. Very good. good. Um, okay. So, okay. So you don't do anything now. Is there yeah. any is there any part of you that thinks maybe at some point you'll get back into singing professionally or just regularly, um, or, or do anything in the music industry at all? Um, I don't know. Like I think um, maybe once my kids are a little bit older. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, I spend most of my quote unquote free time running to soccer and futsal and basketball and you know, whatever sure. else they've got going on. And my oldest is starting to enter an age where he's doing a little bit of stuff on stage. He's got an amazing voice, like absolutely amazing uh, voice to just, I could sit and listen to him sing all the time. Uh, so I think probably in helping to encourage him to do some of those type of things um and then maybe once they get a little bit older to where they can you know either carpool and or transport themselves places will give me a little more time to to be able to you know reach out and do some community theater type stuff or um maybe some community choir type stuff but as of right now probably just random karaoke stuff that i do with a couple of homeboys of mine and uh watching my kids man well, nice. next time you're doing karaoke, I need I need a text because I need to be there. Yeah, I want I want to be there for the uh-huh. next performance of Andre Edwards. It's a show, man. That's for sure. 
I'll I'll join in. I'll I'll join in. I'll 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 join in and and be the guy who goes on before you and sounds horrible and makes a fool out of himself. So when you get on, everybody cheers even more. Hey, karaoke is fun, man. It's it's a good time, regardless of what you sound like. It's a good time. Oh, trust me, I know. I'm I'm the best karaoke observer. <laughs> How about this? How about this, Adam? Adam, if Andre shoots us a message next time he goes to a karaoke. Goes karaoke with his partners. Me and you go, mm-hmm. but you have to get up there. Okay, so not only would I never sing in front of anyone ever, <laughs> but when there's like an actual professional, <laughs> like a professional vocalist doing it on the same night at the same place, of course not. Are you kidding me? I'm just going to record Andre so that we have something to play next time he's on. There you go. That works too. <laughs> Believe me, there will be plenty of people who sound, I don't even care what you sound like, there will be plenty of people who sound way worse than you, who have zero business holding a microphone. Just don't nah. sing anything. You just don't, the, the key to karaoke is don't, if you can't, I mean, unless you're you, the key to karaoke is you don't pick a song where you actually have to sing. Okay, so right. that, that brings me to this. I know if I ever did karaoke, and I will not, I know the song that I would do, and it's exactly to your point. What is it? It is called Miss Fat Booty by Most Deaf. There you go. Yeah. See, that, that's what that would be about. my go-to only yeah. because I know every word to it. Exactly. That's the only reason I would do it. That's all you got to do. Perfect. And I don't have to sing. We could do, me and you do Warren, we'll do, we'll do regulators. You, <laughs> okay, I could probably You be do Warren that G, I'll be Nate Dog. <laughs> uh, Excellent. Don't, well, no, t- Nate's got to sing a little bit, so I'll do him. You got to do him. <laughs> all, right, all right, Andre, yeah. Anyway. We, we're going to let you go to bed, man. I appreciate you hanging out with us. Once again, uh, catch him, LockdownBangles.com. Great writer, prophesized Marvin Lewis's exit from the Bengals the day before he wrote an open letter to Marvin Lewis. Check it out on the website. And you can catch uh, Andre on Twitter. He's a great follow at AndreEdwards06. Andre Edwards06. All right, man. We appreciate it, bro. Thanks, Andre. All right, see you, buddy. But, all, all right. right, there you go. Well, my uh, it did the 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 way that we I planned on recording that didn't work the way I thought it was going to. But that's all right. We got Andre on. That was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. It's that might be the the last time we have him on for a little bit, maybe until the draft or something like that. But uh, that's we we had to keep him a little bit longer, and we had to get to know him a little bit better. We've had um, him on a few times, and I feel like nobody knows the real Andre Edwards. I, a multi-talented gentleman. He's not just a phenomenal writer, huge Bengals fan, but he's also uh, the best singer I've ever met or known. <laughs> Mostly because he's the only singer I I know. So Exactly. There you go. Uh, all right, so, Adam. Yes. Uh Let's uh, let's move on. I, I think we have no reason to get into any more Bengals stuff. Do you? I'm all set. All right, that sounds good, man. So, what do you want to shoot on to next in the world of sports these days? Um, I don't know. I I now that the Bengals are done, I'm not even all <laughs> not even all that interested in the in the NFL. Sure, even the playoffs. But sure. I mean, I'll start. I'll I'll watch some of the games. I'll pr- really I'll probably pick it back up in the uh, NFC and AFC championship games, to be honest with you. 
I'll watch those and then I'll watch the Super Bowl. But or sorry, oh sorry, I can't say Super Bowl. It's it's copyrighted. Not allowed to say Super Bowl. You can say Super Game or Big you, Game. I'm or telling you right now, you can say Super Bowl. Game with game with the two teams left that haven't lost yet in the playoffs or uh, the the grand finale or whatever you want to call it. But you can't call it the soup the Super Beep. That was my beep. Um, I had to censor it. So um, anyway. We do have we do have four playoff games though coming up this weekend. You have the uh, Colts at the Texans, the Seahawks at the Cowboys, Chargers at the Ravens, and Eagles at the Bears. I think I'm just gonna say all the home teams. I think I'm just gonna say all the home teams, really? even though the Chargers are probably gonna be favored over the Ravens. Maybe even you know, I would say so. In Baltimore. fact, that's the one game I would take. That what's the other? Give me the other games one more time. So the Colts are at the Texans. The Seahawks are at the Cowboys. I think both home teams win. I'm taking games. Colts. I'm taking the I'm Colts. Taking the Colts. I can see that. I can see that. Um, the Chargers are at the Ravens, and then the Eagles at the Bears. And the, the Eagles. The Eagles might be no, might ta- be I- a more complete team. Really, I mean. I don't, I don't know, know if you can say that. This team, this Bears team has yeah. been phenomenal lately. Mitch Trubisky does exactly what needs to be done. They got Allen Robinson outside, mm-hmm. uh, and and the defense obviously is. I don't know if they're not the best defense in the league. They're top three. Very so, close. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would. I'm going with the Bears in that one. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, I am too. Um, so anyway, you got two games Saturday, two games Sunday. It'll be you know it's, it's playoff football. It's it's good. It's you know, you don't have to watch like Bengals Raiders or anything like that. So, <laughs> tune in and watch a couple of hopefully good game or four hopefully good games, and then on from there. Um, but I don't know. I mean, that's the NFL. It's not my forte, certainly, which is why which is why I defer to you, and we both defer to Andre. We both defer to Andre so, for yeah. sure. We appreciate him coming on, as always. So, you know, the the next really big thing I wanted to talk to you especially about. Okay. We talk almost every week about LeBron James. We do. I love my man. That's we my boy. uh so uh LeBron's birthday was on the 30th a few days ago. Uh that was Sunday. Um on that day, I believe it was, his uh show that that airs on ESPN Plus more than an athlete. Yes. Where he sits down with his his group, his group of like four guys or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um you know the, his his guys that he's been friends with that he has employed as his agent and his like his closest the one guy spo- yeah, he, he runs the their agency. <clears throat> right. Uh Maverick Carter, I believe. Mav. Um so his guys I feel like that dude's related got to be related to Lil Wayne somehow, right? Or maybe Vince Carter, I don't know. Oh, okay. Um Anyway, <laughs> so anyway, uh, they sat down. During the course of this past show, LeBron volunteered his feeling that winning the championship in 2016 and specifically the way they did it in the team that they beat, which they came back from 3-1 and beat the Golden State Warriors, who had won 73 games that year. Most wins ever in a season. The fact that they did that, they came back from three one de- 3-1 deficit to beat that team in the finals made him the greatest player of all time in his words. I mean, it's not his words. It's it's more than just his words. Well, I mean, I, he was the one that specifically he was the one that said, said that. So it wasn't his words. I, I've been saying that since he did it. That so put you him over that, top. Yes. 
when we had this conversation between him and Michael, Michael, don't, I and I hate that when you go in and go this greatest of all time talk that you're te- that you're knocking somebody down. N- nobody's knocking Michael down anywhere. Michael Jordan, but it feels that way. No matter it how might you say feel it, feel that way. And and fine, don't to most put, people it feels then that don't way. Don't put LeBron above Michael, but you can't say that he's below him. This guy's done everything and more than anything Michael ever did. Except go undefeated in the finals and win MVP every year and that kind of thing. And look, I'm not – that's not my – it's, it's, hold on, hold on. That's not my case. I know that's some people's only case for that. That is not my only case. Michael also was a much better two-way player, way better defender than LeBron James ever was. Um, on a consistent basis. LeBron he, James, when he wants to be, is could probably be the best defensive player. But which, you're right. Michael did it all the time, even when he was the greatest offensive. So, yeah, okay. Okay. I, right. can, I, can, I, I think I can he put was that to the side. 10-time, first-team all-defense, maybe even more than that. Um, he was defensive player of the year. So, for, for that for that reason, for many reasons. But it's it's hard for me. And, look, I think – here's my thing. By the end of LeBron's career – all of the numbers, all the statistics are going to point to him being, at least statistically, the greatest player of all time. And there's a big reason for that is that he has he has had one of the longest primes of any star. I mean, his prime has been for 12 years now, 13. Really, I mean, he's what 15, 16 years since in. Since his second year of the in the NBA, since really. his second year, second and he's still he was considered to... the best player in the league by a lot of people. Right. Um. That's that's really really impressive. The way he's kept his body up. Um. You know, he's 34 now. He turned 34 on Sunday. So, um. You know, a lot of times for a lot of guys, there are a lot of stars that were out of the league. By the time they were 34, LeBron's still the best or one of the top two or three players in the league at 34 years old right now. Yeah. That's very impressive. He continues this. He gets another three or four or even five good years left. He's going to finish. You're going to have, you know, I don't know if he's going to win another MVP or not. There are so many other great players. And, you know, once you win so many, it kind of like voters start to not it vote was the for same you because way, same you thing have happened so to Michael. It was, right. the, it was the Mike. Michael had the same problem. Michael could have won MVP <clears throat> forever, and LeBron could have probably won 10 MVPs. Right. Yeah. Should have, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Especially it, when he went back to Cleveland those, what was it, three years? Yeah. Two years? Three years. Three years. Yeah. Um. So. At the end, at the end of LeBron's career, right now, I'm not willing to say he's better than Michael. I'm not willing to say he's the greatest of all time. I don't like to say that about anybody or anything until the end of their career. Okay, well, how about this? He's the greatest of his generation. Yeah, I'll give you that. I don't like. And, I don't like comparing people anyway because Michael had nobody to compare himself to before that. When you you compare him to like a like a, a a Magic Johnson, well, I you know, they're two totally different players and to be honest, Michael and LeBron are two totally different players. So, let's say greatest shooting guard of all time, Michael Jordan, greatest small forward of all time, Larry Bird. <laughs> I had to give that okay. to you. How about greatest, um, listen, how about greatest 3 slash 4? <laughs> greatest slasher. Greatest three slasher, maybe. Um, anyway, let me let me <laughs> let me take the the point that you made just now, okay, and, and steer it in this direction. Without having the debate of who's the best of all time, I only want to talk about how you feel about LeBron saying that. 
Now, and, and, and I say that now you, 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 you helped me steer it this way because Michael Jordan, I believe he believes he is the best player of all time. I think there's no question. He I don't believes, think there's a question. I, I, he, but he has never said that, and he's been asked specifically about that several times when he was playing and after his career. Every time he says, I can't say that I'm the greatest of all time. I won't compare guys. I won't compare eras. I never got to play against Bill Russell. I not. I never got to play against Wilt Chamberlain, Jerry West. He names those guys the Oscar Robertsons. He has said that same answer every time. I believe he. Belie- I believe in his mind. He's like, of course, I'm the greatest. Come on, of all it's time. Michael Jordan. But he yes, 100 believes that. It, it, but and, I know right. where you're coming from. All right. So how, for me, and listen, I I I had a hard time finding current players addressing this. But there were uh, several former players that that did give their opinion about about LeBron saying that. All of them, <laughs> most of them, almost all of them disagreed with the fact that he is the greatest of all time, specifically because of that, because of what he said. Right. But just about everybody had a problem with him coming out and saying it. That just looks bad. It, it's like I. It's okay, honestly. I'm fine with him feeling that way and believing that. And that's totally fine because a lot of other players, I think, feel that way. Michael, I'm sure, feels that way. Bill Russell probably feels that way. Wilt probably felt that way. Oscar probably feels that way. But to come out and say it, these other guys haven't said that. It just looks bad. And honestly, lately, it's it's kind of running into this this kind of um, – this list of things that he's doing. He walked into the game the other day carrying a glass of wine. Like I, I feel like I that was don't staged. I don't know what I, that was all about. I, it just that feels weird. And then he comes out and says, "I'm the greatest of all time." That those are that's like a little series of things that he's. I don't know. It, it's just weird, man. I that those things don't pair well with for me even by themselves. Um, you know, I thought it was kind of funny at first when he came in with a glass of wine. I'm like, well, that's weird. And, um, but you know, kind of like, okay, well, LeBron's it's LeBron. He can do that, I guess. But still walking in, drinking alcohol of some kind, walking into work. Right. Who who does that? Nobody does. And then, and then did he carry that glass of wine in his car with him while he was driving? Or like, did he get it just outside so that he could be seen carrying it in? Where was the game at? Um, I don't know. I'm guessing L.A., but I'm not positive. I would. I'd have to say that 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 couldn't have been in L.A. because then he would have drove himself to the game. He's not driving with a glass of wine. He's not taking that chance. Do you ride? Unless somebody you else ride is with a glass of wine. I mean, sure, why not? I, I, yeah. I sit in the back seat. I, yeah, I go in with the back seat with a glass of wine. Okay. Um. Okay. He's LeBron James. He can do whatever he wants, but that's not the point. I know what your point is. The point is, is the fact that he said it. The fact that he's telling he's telling you that he's the greatest. Where LeBron forever has been pretty modest about things like that. He's never come out, you know, he's always said he wants to be the greatest and I I I work to be the greatest, which is what Michael will always say and ever all the great, you know, nobody ever comes out and says that. Mm. I'm not a big fan of him coming out and saying it. To be completely honest with you, I don't. Yeah. I don't like that. I I think that you take that high road. He's done it forever. But in all reality, is it? Uh, is he? Is he wrong? I mean, he he's got a foot to stand on. I mean, he does. He's got and 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 he can he, make the argument. For he sure. can make the argument. Now, if you're 
you know, if you're Muggsy Bogues and you're like, I'm the greatest of all time, then everybody just kind of laughs at you or, or Lance Stevenson. Everybody kind of laughs at you like, well, that's, you know, well, you, you just know. But the fact that he can say it and there's a talk about it, that gives that that puts off the idea that he's right there, that that is a possibility. And you have to have a little bit of ego. You have to have a little bit of ego in order to play this game. I almost lost the whole computer. I thought that was going off. Um, you got to have a little bit of ego to sure. – not a little bit. You have to have a lot of ego you have to, have to be some. able to perform sure. at that kind of level all the time, every day. And if you're not thinking it, and he's around all his boys. You know, he's around his boys. That's the thing. You I'm know, sure when you he get KB in these podcasts saying the craziest things, it's because he's just chilling in a room with some other guy. Like, you know – you don't know who's listening. Yeah, it's it to me. It's just me and you, and to KD, it's just him and that guy on the other side of the podcast. But in reality, there's so many other people out there listening to it, and it turns into something. You're gonna say things completely different when you're in a room chilling with your boy, hanging out, than you are if you're in front of the media and everybody else or whatever's going on. But that's the other thing. LeBron's been pretty calculated for the most part throughout his career about what he says. He know this is his show on ESPN Plus. Yes. That it goes. That's I mean, true. he knows a million people are gonna way more than that. Yeah, a lot of people are gonna watch. Not as much as li- that listens and to this podcast. Lights and a but, camera and <laughs> right, right, right. I'm sure there's some level of comfort that he feels around his guys, just getting into a conversation with his guys, with his friends. Um, more so than if he's then an immediate regular media scrum at his locker after a game. I'm sure he feels more comfortable about that. But he knows he's a smart guy. He knows what that was. He knows that was. And I feel like the the inflection in his voice and the way that he kind of said it, he almost kind of like was a little, almost maybe a little bashful about it. Or he kind of like as he was saying it, it almost seemed like he kind of was like almost hesitated toward the end of his statement, but then kind of realized and then kind of tried to explain it a little more and stuff and then said it again. Yeah. Um, but that's the thing is the, the, the first people that I heard talk about this were the guys on NBA TV. It was Kevin McHale, Chris Weber, and Isaiah Thomas. And those were the first guys that I heard talk about this. And they all th- three agreed. And Kevin McHale was the first one I heard say like exactly what I think it, it's, that's fine. You can feel that way. You can believe that. You can make the case, certainly. Let other people say that about you. That's the thing. It, it, okay, it's, well, when everybody about starts being, talking about it, then are you allowed to say it? No, that's that's the point. I mean, you. yeah, I, you can. It's not, you know, he's not like the worst guy in the world ever or anything like that. He's not even but, close to the worst. This isn't, that's the thing is, this isn't LeBron. This it's it. That's Increasingly, why, I think it is though. I I think every year he's getting a little bit more so, like so that. So this move to L.A. is all of a sudden he become this L.A. dude and this L.A. head. Not all this, of a sudden. I know not all of a sudden, but it seems to be more and more just over the past year since he's made well not year few months yeah. since he made the decision to go to L.A. I feel it's like gotten it's gotten worse and worse. I feel like it's every year as he continue as he has another incredible year wherever he's at. It was in Miami. He started winning championships. Then he went back to Cleveland, won another championship. Went to all, went to eight straight finals or whatever. Had incredible years. Was the best player in the world for all these years. Every year he has another one. He starts thinking more and more about his legacy, 
more and more about his place in the history of the game and where he ranks. I think he really thinks that. And like you said, he does because he's talked about he it. He does think that. And 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 you'd be great. You can't tell me nobody else ever did. This is a completely generation of human being coming out, though. He's 34 years old. Technically, this guy is a millennial. And he's hanging around all these young kids who who feel like it's okay to speak out and say what you want to who you want when you want. I mean, these guys are going against teams, telling them their teams, I'm done. I want to be traded. That never happened in the old days. Mm -hmm. This is a whole different type of player. It's a whole different era of player. So I think you're going to get the greatest player acting a little differently than they had in the past than your Michaels or your I don't and your your magics and I mean obviously Larry Bird's never going to say a word about being the greatest but no. but you know or, or Wilt Chamberlain's or Bill Russell's or any of those guys that's not the generation we're in now we're in a generation of me 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 Twitter Instagram Facebook look what I'm doing look what I'm doing look what I'm doing that I mean yeah I agree with you, but I feel like LeBron is old enough and has enough ties to the older guys and to the to the guys that some of them were still playing when he was when he first came came into the league, um, and and he has enough wisdom to know that modesty, humility, those things really count for your legacy too. If you're so you know worried about legacy, guess what? Just just be the player you've been your entire career. And let everybody else talk about you're the greatest of all time, or you you and Michael are the greatest of all time, or or you know you are you're on one the Mount B Rushmore. Or whatever. It's all about the right. Mount Rushmore. It seems like right. anymore you're right. the Which Mount. Which just means top four. four. Just, I mean, yeah. yes, but right. But, but still, either way, it it just didn't it didn't come across very well to me and to honestly almost everybody else I've heard speak about it. I'm most interested now. Everybody, every talking head like like Colin Cowherd and and uh, Shannon Sharp and and uh, what's his name and Skip Bayless and Adam Schmidt and all these dummies that that don't know what they're talking <laughs> about, they can all have their opinions and stuff. And most of them did did agree that it looked bad on LeBron, whether he's right or not. It's going to look it's bad on him, no matter but what. But the ones that I care about are the players, the, the the current and especially the former players, how they felt about it, and it just every, all of those guys seem to feel like. Chauncey Billups actually said, I like that he said this. I don't agree with him, but I I, th- I like that he had the nerve to come out and say that. Everybody else, though, that I've heard, all the former players. But we haven't heard any of the players that are playing now. Right. Yeah, right. But and I think most guys are probably going to be careful about that because they're gonna, they're still in the league. I mean, And LeBron is their idol. I mean, these guys were, <laughs> you know, three, four, five years old when he started playing. Isn't so, that crazy? Yeah. So, so yeah, they looked up. They look. Uh, they still look up to LeBron. So you're not going to have anybody. In fact, they probably only know him as the greatest there ever was, which then again puts us further into this era of kid who's – I always say I feel like it's start the the whole feeling like you could just walk up to any referee at any time and start arguing. I feel like that started with Michael Jordan and and has carried since. And cuz Michael thought he could do it and then everybody watched Michael do it and then everybody got to the league and everybody thinks they can do it. And now you got a guy like LeBron who whines on every call. I still love him. Everybody does now. It's dri- that but, drives me But at insane. the same time, you get into this now where you have a guy who's going to come out and say that he's the greatest, and that's all these kids see. They don't know as much 
you don't see as much on the old guys. That's what you see. And you're going to start seeing the next greatest player come out and be like, I'm the greatest there is. Probably. But I would love, because of that exact fact, that guys are coming into the league, getting drafted on draft day, having interviews and saying, and they ask who your favorite player is, I grew up watching LeBron James, which makes me feel like a thousand years old. Because sure. I was I – was, out of high school when he was in the, <laughs> I, I was, yeah. Um, yeah, I was. So were you, right? Yeah. He was His the senior, year after you. Yeah. He, he yeah. was, he was class O three. I was a class O two. Right. So anyway, so we're both older than LeBron James. So we've seen his entire career from Man, the beginning. That, mean, that means I can't wear a LeBron James Jersey. That's correct. Oh, That's right. What a so, bummer. So, I can still wear my Votto Jersey. He's like three months older than me. Is he? Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Sure. <laughs> you, absolutely. You're welcome to wear a Votto Jersey. Um, you can wear that Larkin jersey right over there. That's right. Um, anyway, I, that's that's what I mean. For him to be a guy that so many players look up to, so many guys, all the kids right now that are six years old that are starting to really follow basketball, from from those kids up to the kids that are 25, 26, 27 that were watching LeBron James play pro basketball when they were playing basketball in grade school and high school um, – for him to to if he's asked the question for him to just come up yes he can think that because i'm sure michael does like i said but it would it would make a lot more sense that's the thing like i think that's one of the things if i can be an old man get off my lawn moment yeah that's one of the things that drives me crazy that the, the culture now is the look at me i'm you know look how great i am i've got to make a i've got to make some sort of three gesture every time i make a shot i've got to play the air guitar or shoot an arrow or whatever every time i make a play or whatever that's garbage i hate that garbage but that's what it is like you you have to you have to make sure people notice you like that's people are out for recognition that, it, it's not even brain. athletes too just on sure. social media posting stupid stuff yeah. all the time about dumb stupid videos that people are going to like because it's it's a lot of times negative but you know a lot of people are going to like it because that's just the culture that's the way it's going so be so you are a cultural icon you're lebron james you have such an influence over pop culture over over every kid teenager right now be be humble be be honest that's good that's good. That's what he did. He was honest about mm -hmm. how he feels about that. That's great. But also be humble and say, take take a page out of Michael's book. Just use his answer. Say, you know what? I never got to really play against Michael in his prime. I didn't get to play against against Bill Russell in his prime or or Elgin Baylor or Jerry West or Oscar Robertson. I can't say. I can't. You can't compare eras. It's a totally different game. If you want to say, I'll say I'm the best in my era. I'll say I'm the best in the 2000s. And I'm fine with that, and I think most people would be fine with that because I think everybody would agree with that. But <clears throat> so, all time, okay. all time best. Well, the goat you just can't say it. The goat talk gets a little out of hand because people would be like, "Who's the goat right now? Who's the goat right now?" And I don't There's know how so the question variations. was famed exactly. It obviously means greatest of all time, but sometimes it's formed in a manner of literally just the greatest right now is what they. I don't know how the question was formed. I'm sure it was literally. How do you feel you are? And he probably said I'm the greatest because he probably thinks that. But this, is there any other thing that LeBron has ever done 
that has made you say, you know what, that, I don't, I don't think this, you know, be a role, be a better role model. After after they won, I think it was the first championship in Miami. He was he was Finals MVP. Um, he was the best player on the floor, um, obviously, and he there was. A, a moment after the game where he's holding the Larry O'Brien trophy and the, I th- is it the Bill Russell? I think that final MVP, is, I think is, yeah. the, is it the Bill Russell uh, trophy. He's holding no, the, both of them. I thought the Bill Russell trophy was the MVP of the All-Star game. Oh, is no, it, no, 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 that's not right. Anyway, anyway, it's 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 of the finals. Uh, Go ahead. Okay, so, so he's holding both of them, and he has this look on his face like, yeah, you know, like – he has this look. I remember seeing it with you, and you felt the same way. I'm telling you, yeah. I talked to you about it, and you said, yeah, I didn't like that. That looked like he was, like, really super cocky in that moment. All right. Sure, he won the finals MVP and just Do won you a, know a how much incredible – like, adre- look at – look at M- so you always want to bring – everybody wants to compare him to MJ. And, and like I said, I hate – I hate it. I don't like doing it. But I'm going to in this case – because you just said take a page out of MJ's book because because the one thing that you can now say is that LeBron is that MJ never said he was the greatest of all time and LeBron said it. Michael Jordan was the cockiest son of a B you ever met in your life. He wasn't the greatest guy. I don't know if I mean I I don't know if he was that cocky though. You know, like, have you ever heard any of the stories from the the absolutely the, that's the what dream I mean. team and He's all not that a great stuff guy. <laughs> when he the dream team games when they were practicing and 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 him getting up there and basically just telling everybody back out of my way I'm the best I'm the great I'm he, I'm here it's me he blah, was blah, blah. specifically going at Magic Johnson it was he and Magic Johnson going after each other. That's fine. And I'm that was saying. that was them going at each other as a competitive thing. And Magic admits that yeah, Michael was taking that was the time Michael was took over the league. That's when yeah, and, well that's and, when that's when that's when Magic looked at Larry and said, "It's time to pass it or it's time to pass the torch right. or, or it is now or something right. like that." I I just I just feel like that moment is one thing that just stands out to me after I forget what year it was, but I, it was after they, the Heat, I think, won their first championship, or eight. their first or maybe even their second one. But anyway, um, that moment it just didn't look good to me, and then and then this late, you know, just lately in general, but specifically the guy's done this two, thing. two the guy's done two things to look overly confident in his entire career <laughs> in, in 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 complete and other than that he is he's an entrepreneur he is uh the best role model we've had in professional sports and I can't tell you how long from the greatest player since who, since Sean Casey sized since, role model since David Robinson David Robinson David Robinson way better. okay Okay. Way better role model than anyone, actually. <laughs> I'll give you, I'll give you the David Robinson. But what I'm trying to say, forget a role model. We're not role models, whatever. Charles Barkley right. and all that garbage. But what right. I'm saying is, LeBron is the most polarizing person I've ever met. And he is this guy is way fin- better than most. People he is would, phenomenal. I know. And this guy, I mean, I don't know him legit. I don't know him. But the things he's done, he he doesn't do things wrong. When he made the decision to leave Cleveland. The whole reason he made it a big skeptical, he was raising money for kids. Yeah. I mean, this. so even the things that he's done that well, have he's, been stupid or not worked, he was doing for a good reason, a good cause. He's, he's a, he, he just seems, he puts out, 
He's never he's like a good guy. He's never done that 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 stupid thing or got himself in trouble mm-hmm. or said something that made him except on Instagram on the later. news. <laughs> I don't I don't even he liked some I don't know half naked girls photo or something. I don't know what he actually did. I didn't pay. Is there something wrong with that? <laughs> What's well, wrong with that? S- Savannah's got a problem with that, but <laughs> but I guess I don't. I don't. <laughs> no. Look, look. I overall he has been incredible. He has handled the biggest spotlight for any athlete in a long time since Michael probably. There's no but better even when than just was about there, anybody. He didn't have the spotlight LeBron does this because of well, because of social media and LeBron is all, every second of every day you know where he is, what he's doing. That yes. wasn't like that for Michael. Michael was like Michael that. was the first though like major international star. He I'll was give the you that. biggest. That's fine, but what I'm saying is there's a bigger spot. I'm not saying that take away who's better. Take that away. Oh yeah. There's no. a bigger spotlight on LeBron James than on than on any any professional athlete right. that has ever been right. in any of the the sports except for maybe in just with now with those soccer guys uh what's the one guy's name with the crooked face on the on Cristiano the Ronaldo and somebody. is Ronaldo the one who had the really funny statue oh, uh, uh the really funny I statue forget. at his at his airport that they made for him yeah, they put a statue I, I can't remember if it was him or uh, I think it was, was Ronaldo I don't know Pele Pele is the best you want to talk about here goats. we go Michael Jordan and Pele no are, are Pele right here. or Ronaldo and then you got greatest of all time <laughs> soccer all players time. let's go ready no I'm just kidding I'm not getting into that Casey um, Jones Casey Jones yeah uh, Kobe Jones. Kobe Jones. Casey Jones is totally Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Casey Jones. Casey Jones. Casey Jones. Casey Jones was the best all-around athlete because he had every athletic stick in his bag in the Turtles. <laughs> Casey Jones was a former Celtic and Celtic uh, coach. <laughs> Wasn't Casey Jones the guy on the Turtles? I might who wore the hockey know. mask and he had like a bat. He had like a golf bag and in it he had a bat. He had a uh, like a tennis racket, uh, a croquet stick, and all kinds of crazy stuff. I vaguely, vaguely remember that only because you just said that, but I, I, I Dude, don't Dude, you're not a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle kid? I mean, I was, yeah, but was I my, don't remember. I had, the, I had the Casey Jones action figure. I had the Turtles van. I had the, I, I played the arcade game every time I went to Pizza Hut. Oh, Pizza Hut, yeah, good work. Pizza Hut was good. <laughs> all right, so um, – we can we can probably wrap this up. It, aside from the who is the greatest of all time, that doesn't even matter in this conversation, really. It's just the fact that it didn't look good, it didn't sound good, that he came out and specifically said that. Nobody will remember this in 20 years. Mm. When you think of Michael Jordan, do you well, think of a guy who stayed when, up all night when, gambling? When, Le- you, when you think of Michael Jordan, do you think of – I remember all that stuff. You remember when LeBron it, but James it's not what you Jr. think of. In 20 years when LeBron James Jr. is talking about how he's the greatest of all time, we're going to go back to this time and say, wait a minute, your dad said that too. Uh, I don't know. I'm just trying to give a LeBron James Jr. reference. Um, trying to get one in every show? Yeah. I bet I bet yeah. if you go back, I'm gonna have to start yeah. putting him in the hashtags uh LBJJ. LBJJ. <laughs> LeBron J. June R. Junior. <laughs> oh man. Our our we're we we are pretty far into this. All right. We so oh well here's what I want to say. We were gonna get into our next poll. Yes. All right. I so have that and then one more like 
two I'm, second thing at I the wanna, very end. But I want to I want to push the poll off because yep. we need some time for the poll. We're already an hour and fifteen minutes in. I don't want to take this thing too far, too long. And that uh, our next poll is going to be best nicknames in sports history. Correct. So if you got any out there, shoot them over to us. Uh, comment below. Um, uh, where, however you want to do it, give us some nicknames. We've got a list of twenty. Give us some more. We got to narrow it down to sixteen, and we're going to do a sixteen-team uh, bracket. Yes. Okay. So from there, what else you got? My my, the last thing I have. We're going to end on a sad note. I'm sorry to say. Uh, I don't like that, but okay. Oh no! Yes, I do know. Yes, you know. I'm sure you uh, know. Let me tell you, brother. Uh, Is that where you're going? Yes, I am. (laughs) Rest in peace, Mean Gene Okerlund. We're going to have a moment of silence for Mean Gene. All right, brother. 76 years old, uh, second greatest broadcaster of all time behind Marty Brenneman. Um, And uh, I don't know. By far uh, greatest interviewer in the history of... Of broadcasting. Big part of our childhoods because we were both very big wrestling fans. I kind of feel bad for Mean Gene Oakland because that dude might have had one of the best voices I've ever heard. That guy could have done anything he wanted to. A lot of voiceover work he could have done, yeah. yeah. And instead, what Probably. he decided to do was stand next to big, sweaty, bulky men and have them do all kinds of weird stuff to him and say weird stuff. I But he loved it. I mean, me, Mean Gene was huge part of what made the WWF yes. so great. Yes. Uh, I, 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 <laughs> I hate feeling saying this and feeling this way, but... Are you getting choked up? Anytime, no, I just... No. <laughs> I, uh, I mean, yes. Yes, I am. I'm... Uh, yeah. I, I was crying the whole way here, actually. Um, no. Anyway, the best part about a, <laughs> about a celebrity that I love dying is all the video the old videos that resurface yes i hate to say that because i feel terrible i'd much rather have the man on the earth sure and then all the old really great you know even some rare footage of some of the interviews he did and even some like you know behind the scenes stuff but man there were some awesome videos i was watching today because of that favorite favorite mean gene okerland and you've been watching them i haven't been watching them What's your favorite Mean Gene uh, interview performance, whatever you want to call it? Yeah, that it's it's a good that's a good thing to say performance because it was something that I've never seen in my life. I feel like I should have seen it when I was a kid. I just saw they did a whole like ten minute thing where Hulk Hogan went to Mean Gene's house and he was gonna train him. He was just training him to get in great shape. So Hulk Hogan, I mean, it was a totally staged thing, but <laughs> of course. But now you're getting choked up. See, see, it's a sad. Now I told I'm you it was choked a sad up. thing. It's sad, man. Listen, so so <laughs> Hulk Hogan showed up at Mean Gene's house at 5 a.m. Mean Gene was sitting there. He just got up. He's smoking a cigar, drinking coffee. Hulk Hogan starts yelling at him, takes all that stuff away, makes him drink raw eggs, and go out and take a two-mile run at 5 a.m. And then he shows up the next day, and it's at like 5.30 or 6 or whatever. And and they just it's like this montage of those guys working out together, mostly just running, I guess, outside. Because what, what are they going to show Mean Gene lifting? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He yeah. can't even get the bar up. Right. Yeah. So, no, but it was, it was really cool because – because that was his big thing was he 
he kind of helped usher in and make Hulk Hogan the icon that he was. He was. Sure. They worked together in the AWA, which was the biggest right. wrestling federation. You know, before the before WWF Big Man big. took took control right. and, and bought up five right. or six of them or whatever. Right. So so but they so Mean Gene came over and then and then Hulk Hogan came over and he Mean Gene really helped promote the heck out of Hulk Hogan and make him the biggest star probably the goat. So okay, let's see. Greatest of all time, Hulk Hogan, Ultimate Warrior, Undertaker. You got. Uh, it's, between, sure. it's between. But Ultimate you can't compare War- eras. You can't compare eras can't because compare eras. you had, you know. Um, Dusty Rhodes. Dusty. Well, Dusty, yeah. You know, that's tough to say because so many of these guys from like the 70s Turned are still wrestling the, in the 2000s for some reason because I, I guess you can. I still don't know how Undertaker made it as long as he did. That guy's only like. <laughs> every time he has a birthday, I see it. And it's like Undertaker turned 51. What do you mean? He was wrestling in 1971. <laughs> He's not 51. Ric Flair, Flair was always the one, though. Ric Flair, yes. That dude's almost died like 50 times. I know. He looks. That's great. So, so real know. quick, my favorite. I haven't watched any of these videos, but the the one Mean Gene Oakland thing I remember more than anything in the world. You remember the Bushwhackers? Of course I do. They come down with their Luke hands and, over uh, their head. Luke and somebody else. Luke and somebody else. All right. So brother. the Bushwhackers were the craziest two wackos you ever seen in your life. I've seen them rip open the turnbuckles and eat the stuff in the turnbuckles and Mean Gene is interviewing him, and these guys are not listening to anything he's saying (laughs) at all. They're saying wild stuff, and the one guy just reaches down and grabs the flower off of Mean Gene's lapel because he had a flower for some reason on his suit and starts eating it and then turns around and walks away. I remember that. That's 100% my favorite Mean Gene. Probably my favorite Bushwhackers thing that ever happened. There you go. (laughs) Another good one was um, he's interviewing somebody – and this the WWF sign on the wall behind him falls, scares the crap out of him, drops an F bomb. <laughs> drops an F bomb and then says some other cuss word or something. He was like legitimately mad yeah. about it. Mean Gene was on Dan Labertard's show a lot over the last couple of years and uh they had some fun with him. There's some really good, hilarious interviews. With Dan Lebetard and Mean Gene Okerlund. Mean Gene Okerlund. A lot of people don't like Dan Lebetard. Some either he's real polarizing as well. You either like him or hate I him. Like but him. that interview, the interviews he's had over the years with Mean Gene, look him up. Those are hilarious because he talks about what really happened, what really went down back in the day. Adam Schmidt's 2019 Halloween costume, Mean Gene Okerlund. There's no way you could do it. I don't even know if they make a bald cap that could cover up that fro. I'm, I'm just going to have to cut my hair like that. I'm going to have to shave the oh, top, so leave crazy. the horseshoe, grow just a mustache, oh God, put on a few pounds. That. Please do that. Wear a nice suit. You're going to have to shrink about five inches? I'm gonna, yeah, I have to, I'll, I'll stand. I'll, I'll kneel on my shoes. Me and Gene was probably like around. six foot, but everybody interviewed was like 6'10". <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hulkster was like 6'4", six, 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 was I thought he 6'7 six, or 6'8". Six, oh, maybe he is. I don't know. But, yeah, he, he came up to like – Me and Gene came know. up to like his about that. waist. Um, <laughs> anyway, rest in peace, Mean Gene Erkeland. Rest in, rest in peace. We love you, Mean Gene. Uh, well, and on that note – that's it. I think that's about all I got. And I was, you know, so unprepared. The music's not ready to end this thing. My iPad's dead. Uh, I'm sure by now Facebook Live is dead. Yeah, probably. Uh, guy went over there a minute ago and he said 10% left. Uh, so if you're listening to this still, you can catch us. We're Nosebleed Sports Podcast. Uh, Adam Schmidt, Chris Witt, Adam on Twitter. Adam Schmidt, 
44. Uh, and you can get us uh, SoundCloud, YouTube, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, CastBox. Let us know if there's something else you listen to podcasts on, and we'll try to do that as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. Let us know about your uh, your favorite all-time sports nicknames. There you go. All right. We appreciate you guys listening, and uh, don't forget to turn your headlights on.